0: You're listening to episode 26 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast.
1: You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about
0: living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, and thank you for tuning in. Now, perhaps you're like me. Perhaps you've purged and donated and decluttered and organized your heart out but you still find yourself stressed and anxious? If so, this episode is for you. It has been established that minimalism is good for kids, and it's good for parents too. But sometimes, minimalism just isn't enough. And if you're like me, you may sometimes view minimalism as a band-aid for a much larger problem, and that's stress and anxiety. Today, my guest and I legitimize the connection between clutter and anxiety by highlighting research that has found a positive correlation between the two concepts. Then we outline real specific strategies on how to manage it. My guest today is Anna Seewald. She's a parent educator, a keynote speaker, an author, and a podcaster with backgrounds in both psychology and education. She really blew me away with her common sense and not-so-obvious strategies that work well alongside minimalism in your life. And because Anna's background and passion is for children, I thought she would be the perfect guest to ask the questions that I am most asked as this podcast host. So I ask her, what's the best way to introduce the concept of minimalism to children? How many toys are appropriate? What's the best way to purge children's toys? Do you include the child or not? So if those questions are pressing questions for you, be sure to stick around to the tail end of the interview because Anna answers all those questions and more. Now this week's show notes are full to the brim with just amazing information. I highlight and link to the research we discussed in the episode. I list all of Anna's strategies that she mentions. And I've got links to where you can find more of Anna because I am pretty darn sure that after you listen to our conversation today, you will be dying to get more of Anna Seewald. So you can find all those things and more in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com. Forward slash zero two six, m a m a minimalist dot com, forward slash zero two six. Enjoy the interview. Anna, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm doing well, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Today we're talking about the relationship between clutter and anxiety and the relationship between clutter and depression. So, why don't we start by you telling us all about yourself and who
1: you are professionally. I will give you the brief version, otherwise it will take a long time. Mm -hmm. So, So currently I have a private practice and I work as a parent educator. Although for nearly 18 years, I worked with children in different education settings as a psychologist and educator. But when I became a mom, I realized that it's parents who need help and support. And so my perspective shifted, and soon after, I opened the private practice, and today I serve and help and support parents worldwide, and I absolutely love what I do. I teach a variety of classes, courses, online and offline. I also work with court-ordered parents, a variety of parents from all walks of life, and it's very rewarding, but my mission is to help children through helping their parents. On episode 22 of this
0: podcast, I revealed my own struggles with anxiety, particularly as my anxiety manifests itself with my home and the clutter and the cleaning and the just incessant managing of the home. What's fascinating to me is that there's research to support my anxiety. And if you're like me and your home or your stuff does make your heart beat a little bit faster, it doesn't mean you're a neat freak or you have a quirky personality. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. Many people will may not even know that the anxiety that they're experiencing may be caused by the clutter but the abundance of stuff, just pure amount of stuff we have. And and it's a shame, right? We don't connect the two oftentimes. And let's face it, we live in a fast-paced, uh, high-speed, go, 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 do, 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 get, 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 too much, too soon, too fast type of culture. And unfortunately, consumerism is... It's in high numbers. So people always get more stuff because there is a deal. You feel like you need that for your happiness, for vanity reasons. You know, just watch TV, right? It makes you feel lack lack in some area of your life. So in order to compensate, those advertisers uh, create this false belief that you need to look outwards outside of yourself and acquire things and stuff that's going to make you happy and so we grow up in that kind of environment from a very young age in fact an american average american child has 150 toys wow and that's i've been to many different families to many different homes for play dates. And I can tell you the amount of stuff people have, especially toys, especially colorful, plastic, sound making, noise, noise making toys, it it gets you. Mm. However, you may not recognize that. So we have a lot of stuff. And here is the thing. We also live in, in a society where you need to get a bigger home, you know, get away, get a big garage. So those are ideals people have. I'm not blaming people, but so the bigger your space, the more stuff you're going to get, right? And you're going to fill the space. And so we don't, recognize that that can affect our well-being and mental health. And so what happens is oftentimes we perceive the world through our senses, right? Through olfactory, tactile, visual, auditory, we perceive the world through our senses. And so when there is a lot of overwhelm on a sensory level, your body, your nervous system Goes into overstimulation mode. Here is what happens. Because again, we live in this already overstimulated, high speed, fast paced life. There's a lot of stress in people's lives. of Americans report having moderate stress in their lives. 25% of Americans have severe stress in their lives. And I can tell you, Stephanie, when I work with parents in my office, I have never met an unstressed parent yet. Children are stressed today as well. So we live in this chronic state of stress when you have too much stuff around the house mess, clutter, that is burdening your nervous system. In the background, you may not consciously think about it all the time, but sometimes it's in the background burdening your nervous system, which is already on overdrive. And so you become very anxious. Hmm. Yeah,
0: and what's fascinating to me is that this has all been linked By researchers. Just really quick, UCLA found that women who live in cluttered homes have higher levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. Men, however, it's important to note, do not suffer from higher levels of cortisol like women, which I found fascinating. Maybe that's why my husband doesn't care so much about getting the dishes done. And then another study, also in the Los Angeles area, really fascinated me. It was a four year study of 32 middle-class families. I'll link to um, all this research in the show notes, by the way. But this four-year study found that 54% were overwhelmed by their clutter and all the families let their clutter build up because they didn't know what to do about it or how to manage the problem. So there's definitely a correlation between cluttered homes, and stress and depression. Now, minimalism, right, is like a band-aid to that. It's like the quick fix, right? Like if your house is messy, what's the quick fix? It's to clean it out, get rid of everything so that it doesn't create added stress and anxiety. But I'm wondering if you can talk to us about some other strategies to manage the anxiety that a household may produce.
1: Mm, yes, I would love to. But before I get to that, I would love to make a couple of comments based on what you said, men versus women. That's true. There are studies who find that uh, I think it's astounding. Um, and I can tell from my experience, if my kitchen is a mess, it would never bother my husband. Uh, Some somehow they don't see it, but not all men are the same. There are men I know who are obsessive, compulsive about cleanliness, order in their, uh, even in the kitchen, right? In every area. So I guess, generally speaking, we're wired differently. Also, I think because traditionally women are the main homemakers and we're home often more than men, men work outside the house, even though that's shifting again in our culture, but predominantly that's the main paradigm, right? So it's going to affect us more and again it has been perceived through centuries that this is the female the the mom's job the woman's job to take care of the household to maintain and you know today as a you know 21st century woman We not only take care of the house, take care of the uh, errands and raise children and run businesses, do podcasts and volunteer and do charity work. We work outside the house. So there is more on modern women's plates. And it just increases the anxiety levels. Men However, don't have that, right? It's, it's so this stuff needs to change first and foremost. I think a lot of stuff also originates from our childhoods, right? The way we were raised, clean up your room, pick up your toys, the way parents, uh, try to engage their children. Even today, I see that in my private practice, it often creates in children a negative view of cleaning organizing order because from a young age you are being forced to do that you are being rewarded to do uh, you clean your room you, you they give you money to incentivize and so the true intrinsic motivation to clean your room for the sake of having an orderly space erodes. so people grow up hating cleaning acqu- acquiring more stuff to to feel good about themselves and they resent cleaning it often reminds them of their childhood that stuff comes up uh, the old conditioning and the patterns so this is a very fascinating topic to me and you know there's so many layers and facets to this topic but how can you manage your anxiety uh, I mean, I can speak about in terms of emotional things you can do, uh, but I would love to mention one thing that I'm very passionate about is it's not about organizing the stuff you have. It's about simplifying. Uh, My whole philosophy about parenting is one of the messages is just that let's simplify our life. Our schedules, our children's schedules, children are overbooked, over scheduled, and that increases their stress. And so when they are stressed, we get triggered, we yell and scream, and we don't feel good about ourselves. And when we don't feel good about ourselves, we have all those ongoing, worrisome cognitive stressors. It just, we remain on that high alert, high stress at all times. So, Moms especially live in chronic stress conditions. So by eliminating a lot of stuff from your life, saying no to commitments, for example, let's begin from that. You don't have to say yes to every single birthday party your child is invited to. You don't have to commit to volunteer and bring a homemade baked Dish to some potluck party. You don't have to put extra pressure on yourself, knowing that there's so much pressure already on ourselves. We want to parent differently than our parents, and we want to parent in a really great, positive, peaceful, gentle way, but that's it's a lot of pressure. Because also, Stephanie, we don't have social support, right? You know that today's moms, we don't have social support. So this underlying anxiety is already present. The stress is already there. So by simplifying your calendar, by saying no to things, not overscheduling your children and giving them opportunities to have downtime, not only your children, but also yourself, Many people spend their days running around going to places parties errands shopping and they don't know how to be in their homes home doesn't become this beautiful uh, sanctuary for many people they they avoid their homes because there's too much going on clutter and and mess and plus they want to avoid and go do things because they think it's fun and entertaining and educational so I think the emphasis should be over simplifying your life, starting with activities for yourself and for your children, saying no to things and not feeling guilty about that because you are opening room in your own home for rest, relaxation and downtime. That would be my number one suggestion. Second would be to avoid this Bye 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 temptation. You don't need that next shiny object. Always question, like, why do I need this? Do I really, really need this? Is this absolutely necessary? Do I need to have the same shoe in different colors or the same t shirt in different colors? Or we tend to overbuy for our children. And thank goodness there's so much cute stuff out there for children. But having that mindset that Less is more. When you have less stuff, you don't have to worry about organizing and uh, controlling and putting things away. Simplifying is key. Instead of buying bins and uh, products and shelves to store the stuff you have, which is going to create so much anxiety because it takes so many steps to put the things away. And you're going to spend time from your precious busy day putting things away And it's going to take your attention from the very precious things that you could be doing with your family, for yourself. So, And time and attention, I think, are the most priced commodities that we have as modern people. And you want to know where your time and attention go.
0: You just brought up two central tenets of minimalism. The first one was a focus on slowing down and the second was think before you purchase because today's it item is tomorrow's clutter right i wanted to circle back and talk more about the fact that it's not so much about organizing your stuff it's more about simplifying the life you lead What would you say to overbooked parents who are just trying to keep their head above water? What would you say to them as a first step to slowing down?
1: Again, ask yourself the question, why? Why are you engaging your child? Let's say your three-year-old doesn't have to be in an organized sporting activity. Your child, in fact, needs free time to play and explore outside. In fact, preschool children today don't get enough physical play exercise, and we see a rise in sensory processing issues because of that. Think again when you sign up for something for your child. Now, I'm not against those activities, you know, some of them are really good. Your child can enhance their skills if they have an interest or a talent or they want to learn something new. But you want to be mindful. I had a client whose child was in eight activities during one week, eight activities, uh, piano, kumon, chess, swimming, taekwondo, A mismatch of different things, and this child had interest in none of them. What they needed to do is just simplify his life so that he can regain some clarity and recharge himself and have that downtime to process his day, his thoughts, his feelings, to allow to surface. We corrupt our children simply of that opportunity. And so we see an increase in behavioral and emotional uh, quote unquote issues, but the root cause is always deeper than the observable behavior.
0: What I hear you saying is perhaps it might be important to reframe the concept of the home. Is that right? A lot of people think of the home as a place to eat, a place to sleep and a place to store stuff. We often go outside of the house for the extracurriculars for our kids. And I'm wondering if what you're saying is that the house isn't a place to just hold your stuff. Instead, it's a place to really nurture the family, to encourage free and imaginative play for your kids, and to, most importantly, perhaps relax. Is that right?
1: Yes. I Emphasis on relax and have fun. Today's families, what I see in my practice, Stephanie, I feel so deeply heartbroken when I meet families who are just doing, 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 going from day in and out. And there's just not enjoying each other, not enjoying themselves, not enjoying their life. Everybody's stressed and children meet that connection because we want to give that foundation to our children, right? That home is a safe place. When a human being doesn't have that sense of safety, and I'm not talking about physical safety. You can have this huge, large mansion with the beautiful backyard and, uh, you know, a nice playground outside in your yard. But what's the point if you're never going to use it? You're always on the go. You never sit down on your lawn and have a picnic right then and there. You're always going to someone else's barbecue. You're always trying to uh, go and educate your children to an aquarium, to this, to that. And truthfully, children. Yes, enjoy those experiences, but how important is to have that sense of safety and groundedness in their own home. That sense of safety, emotional safety is so vital for their growth and optimal development. And there is no way we can give that when we are on the go and we're on the road. Today, more than ever, it's important to create home as an environment for everybody's rest, relaxation, and fun. Forget the dishes. The dishes are always going to be there for you to do. And housework is never ending. So have fun with your family. I would encourage everyone to at least inject a little fun into their days.
0: Hmm. I know, Anna that your passion is for children. And I often get a question about children and minimalism. So I feel like you're the perfect person to ask this question. How do parents who consider themselves minimalists gently introduce the concept to their kids? And I guess what I'm getting at is how do we minimize toys in ways that still respect the kid and how many toys are appropriate? Let's start
1: there. Let me say that the way you introduce to your children any kind of idea Any value is by living those values yourself. So you don't have to do extra work to say, we're minimalist, this is what we're going to do. It's not necessary. The way you construct your life, the way you live, the conversations that you have in your household are natural. Your children are part of your life. So they're going to absorb and internalize your values. So no extra work is necessary in that aspect. In 1983, I believe, in Germany, they conducted a very fascinating experiment. In one preschool, they got rid of all the toys for three months. You can Google the term no toy experiment, no toy "no toy kindergarten, and you can see and read the article and the study. And... Parents were against this experiment. They said, I'm sending my child to preschool. There's no toys? That's That doesn't make sense. So what happened? It turned out in the beginning, it was challenging for children. There were no toys. Only the furniture was left in the classroom setting. So children started creating new games, using the furniture, using their imagination, their creativity. They came up with games. They engaged together in deep and meaningful play. They became collaborative. They started engaging with one another on a completely different level. Social emotional skills were blossoming when they were left on their own devices with no particular devices, but It was fascinating. The results were fascinating. And to this day, they repeat this experiment in Germany in different um, preschools. And that shows that you don't have to have too many toys. In fact, human attention is very limited, right? Your short-term attention, you can hold five to seven things at the same time in your short-term memory. So the more children have, the less they're going to play and the more they have their their play is going to be very shallow and superficial whereas if they have less toys they engage differently with those toys they explore each toy and they engage in deep meaningful play they have the time and the distraction is gone so they create new games with what they have with the limited resources so what kind of toys I would recommend to parents, toys that are not fixed toys, right? Imagine there are so many fixed toys today that teach you the alphabet, the colors, uh, educational toys. When you press a button, they sing a song or something like that. Not necessary. Your children can learn those things on their own through engaging with the world or with other adults. There is nothing like an educational video game can teach your child that your child cannot learn uh, without a screen, right? So toys that are open-ended, that are more traditional, that a child can manipulate and use in different ways are the type of toys you want to have. Uh, Blocks, Legos, art supplies, dress-up, stacking things for younger children, musical instruments is fantastic for any age, starting from a young age, and they will grow with that. How can you purge and organize? Don't do it with your child. Again, that's that would be painful experience. I would say if you decide, let have your child go to school or to grandma's house and And get rid of what you think is unnecessary, is not age-appropriate. Age-appropriate, sometimes people buy toys and they say the child will grow into it. That's not good also. So make sure the toys that you have are age-related and encourage open-ended play. And the less you have, the better. And, you know, you can donate the rest of the stuff and organize your child's room in a nice, fun way, in an accessible way, so that the child can see, take it off the shelf and put it on the shelf himself. So there is no three steps organizing or cleaning involved, right? You don't have to have a little bin, then another bin, then another drawer That's not going to work. It has to be one step process for your child to learn, to organize and stay organized and for parents as well. So that's what I would recommend do the purging and organizing when your child is not there. Keep your child's favorites. Absolutely. The mementos, the sentimental things they're attached to like a specific, uh, teddy bear or something like that. You don't want to get rid of that, even though it may look old or dysfunctional, but, uh, be mindful of what you're getting rid of. And let me tell you, if you do that, your child will not notice that this ex toy is missing or the other toy is gone. Uh, most likely they will not miss any of it and they will immediately feel relaxed and calm in that nice, organized, open space. Anna, thank you so much. Having you on today really
0: showed me that minimalism is good for kids and it's good for parents too. So thank you for the wealth of information you've offered to support that.
1: Thank you for having me. My daughter is a minimalist, in fact. she She's 10 and she has nothing in her room.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Where can my listeners find more of you if
1: they'd like? The best place, of course, is to visit my website. That's AuthenticParenting.com. And you have a podcast yourself, right? I do. My podcast is called Authentic Parenting. It's a show about personal growth in the context of parenting. It is not the how to potty train your toddler podcast. <laughs> it's, it, it's about how you can grow yourself and become the best version of yourself, how you can be more mindful, cultivate compassion, empathy for yourself so that you can give to your children what they need.
0: I look forward to tuning in. And Anna, thank you again so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's been a blast.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Anna Seawalt. It's not only about minimizing, and it's not only about organizing. Although minimizing and organizing certainly help, it's also about simplifying every aspect of your life. I particularly enjoyed our conversation about reframing the concept of the home, so it's not a place to hold stuff. Instead, the house is a place to nurture the family, and most importantly, it's a place to relax and have fun. Be sure to check out this week's show notes for more info on everything Anna and I discussed today. You can find the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero two six. Now, on next week's show, we are getting out the needle and thread. I am giving you easy clothes repairs and alterations that absolutely anyone can do. The keyword here is easy. And trust me, if I can do them, you can do them too. So that we preserve the clothes we have instead of always and constantly heading to the store to buy new clothes. I will see you then Take care.